Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Brooke Bednars and the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. We're glad you're with us this week. John Morris, Brooke Bednars, and Brooke, pleased to be had to have as our guest today, Marcus Sedberry, Senior Associate AD for Student Athlete Success here in the Athletic Department. And uh, Marcus, it's a pleasure to have you on with us. Thank you. I'm excited to, to join the party today. Uh, join <laughs> the, the party. party. That's I right. love exactly that. Exactly right. <laughs> I always enjoy listening in uh, – and I always enjoy listening to the podcast, so um, I'm excited to be a part of it today. Very good. All right, we'll give you a test here. Okay. Uh, what's the favorite one you've heard? Which of our guests Ooh. has been your favorite? How about that? Favorite? That's going to be tough. I, there are so many. The one that's standing out to me right now is uh, I just appreciated the, the storytelling that Don had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Just her path, her journey. I, right. I don't think a lot of people understand the, the yeah. path that she's had to get to where she is and the the impact she's had on so many different departments and just our industry as a whole. And, and so for me, I, I work with her all the time and I forget some of those yeah, things. So that yeah. was just really neat for me to, to hear her. Well, that's the beauty of this podcast. We can, you know, talk to like people like Don Rogers and you and get you to tell some of the backstory that people may not know about. So that's our that's goal right. for you today. <laughs> all <Yes>. right. <laughs> Let's go back then. Let's, Let's start uh, by going back. We want to get to Baylor's, uh, GSR graduation success rate this year, uh, seventh straight year. Baylor has led the Big 12 in this uh, category, 11th time overall. And this is your area in the area of student-athlete success. And we'll get to that. And, Brooke, that's a lot of good things to talk a about. A lot of stuff to celebrate there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Marcus, tell us uh, about your background. Where would you grow up? And uh, we know you ran track. You were a student-athlete at the University of Nebraska. Uh, what was the path that led you here to Baylor? Yeah, so I'll try to keep it brief, but I grew up here in Texas. My my dad was a a high school uh, head football coach and athletic director, so I grew up around sports. I was the ball boy, the towel boy, whatever I could do to try to figure out um, how to spend time with my dad and, and, and love sports or be around sports at the same time. My mom worked in the federal government, so between the two of them, they really have shaped me to be who I am. Um, but being around sports, I, I always knew that there was a business side of sport. But I thought you, you had to go the coaching route, coach for 20 years and then eventually become an athletic director similar to my dad. I had really nobody else in my family that was a college athlete or worked in college sports. So I, I just knew the high school model of it. Um, I went off to, to, to college, ran track at, at Nebraska. And um, part of why I went to Nebraska, I was a sprinter, 400-meter runner. And there's a guy by the name of Jeremy Warner who, who was uh, yeah. the same class as me. And uh, Baylor typically took the top 400-meter runner, and I, I was not Jeremy. <laughs> so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get to come here. I always knew about Baylor. Um, always did you run against him. him in high school? I did all yeah, the time. Yeah, you did, didn't you? All, right. All the time. Right. Yeah, okay. My, my, uh, I guess it had been my senior year. My senior year, we ran against each other at state. Nice. And, uh, of course, he beat me. But <laughs> – uh, it's okay. He's he's a, blazing past that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, I went to Nebraska. Was a sprinter, um, two hundred, four hundred, four by one, four by four. And while I was there, I ended up having career-ending in, career injury. Ended up having four stress fractures in my lower back, and I tried for years to to push through it, but just really found myself in a, a, a bad spot. Went through depression, um, doubting who I was as a person. Self worth was 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 horrible at the time just feeling like it, my whole world was wrapped around sport because I'd known that since I was a kid I played football basketball ran track I'd, I'd even go out and play baseball um, funny story at some point I'll tell you about the, the baseball deal but I, I uh, 
I just loved it. It was always around and it thought that's what my contribution to the world was going to be. And um, once I had to go through those injuries, I had uh, a, a man by the name of Keith Zimmer at Nebraska who just really tried to help me understand that there was so much more to life than than my sport. And I had so much more to contribute to this world than just my athletic ability. And while I had, my, my parents would tell me that maybe I'd have some teachers, but to have somebody who had no dog in the hunt to just care for me like that, to speak life to me, it really uh, helped shape the path that I'm on now. Mm. And um, I started trying to explore what that meant for me, how I could walk away from the sport, what that would mean. I thought I was going to coach then and, and uh, actually had an opportunity to go coach at Texas A&M. And I met a guy by the name of Richard Lapchick who was running a, a sport management program down at, at UCF. And he, I told him my dream and aspirations, and he was like, you know, you can go after that now, right? Mm-hmm. Realize that there aren't many uh, African-American, period, but African-American men in, in, the, in the industry that, that are ADs, especially not at that time. And he was like, why not, why not go for it now? And um, that just opened up a whole new world for me, and that, has, uh, that was the start of a journey that eventually got me here. Wow. Mm-hmm. So when you first went to Nebraska, coaching was in your mind, correct? that kind of what you wanted yeah, to do? Yeah, I, I always knew that that was a possibility, but I was a business major. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur by by mind. So I, I I was the college student who had a couple of, um, like, side hustles, side side <laughs> things along the way. I, I thought that eventually I'd want to be a CEO of a, of a company. And if that company did some work with sports, that would be great. But if not, I could go and coach and I could, you know, I could, eventually work my way to be an athletic director. But early on, my, my freshman through junior year, I was not thinking about coaching. I actually said I didn't want to coach because my, my dad and my brother are both, uh, or were both coaches. I, I thought that being a CEO of a company would be what I would want to do. And then I'd do some entrepreneurial things on the side and build my life that way. So at what point did it switch from the CEO mindset to coaching mindset to athletic director and just the business side of sports. Yeah. I had somebody, I wish I could figure out who this was because I I talk about this often and I now do the same thing with, with others. I had somebody show me a field football stadium and they asked me to point out all the jobs. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of jobs. But at the time I didn't know that. So at the time I pointed out the players, I pointed out the, the umpire, the the officials, I pointed out the, the coaches and that's about as far as I got. I didn't really know any other jobs. And then they started to, to ask me about the the scoreboard and the sponsors, like it, helping me understand that. And they, they pointed to the suites and asked, like, whose job is that? And I was like, I don't know. I guess the coach is the person who. And they explained to me what what um, what fundraising was. And they talked about a number of like facilities, like what about the people getting in? And all of these aspects that, as an athlete, I never paid attention to. As a son of a of a coach, I never paid attention to anything except for the players, the coaches, mm-hmm. maybe the officials, and um, then they they pointed out the the gentleman on the side of the stadium that had on a suit and asked me what that person did, and I don't remember. It gets hazy if that was a if it was a NFL or if it was um, college, but he pointed out that that person is the CEO. That person was the general manager or the AD that basically was coordinating all the things behind the scenes. And like a light bulb went off of like, oh, I could be a CEO of a sports mm-hmm. company or organization or whatever. And that, that just that's what really sparked this path of becoming an athletic director. So I started to figure out, like, what does that mean in college? Because in high school, I just think that that means you're the head football coach. I don't mm-hmm. really I didn't even know what else my dad did as athletic director. Yeah. I just knew that. Well, especially in Texas. I yeah. mean, a lot of the times when you look around, they are the head football coach that is the athletic director. And that's it's right. One and the same. Yeah, that's right. So it opened up a, no- a new world for me. And so um, then my senior year, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I still was thinking that I would work in sports, but go on to be a, a, a pro sport uh, general manager or president or, or maybe an athletic director was on my mind. Uh, but then as I got ready to graduate, it was this thought that I want to become one of the few African-American athletic directors in the country, knowing that there weren't many opportunities at the time and that maybe I could pave the way for, for others to know that this was a possibility and that you don't have to just be the jersey. You can also be the suit. 
And that has stuck in my mind forever because that's what the, the, the gentleman said to me. You don't have to always be the jersey, Marcus. You can be the suit. I like and that. And so I, I, at this point, I'm trying my best to be the suit to the best <laughs> of my ability. You mentioned Keith Zimmer at Nebraska. What was his uh, what was his job title? And I know he was very influential in helping kind of direct your path at that time. Yeah, Keith was – I don't know what his title was then. Maybe he was life skills coordinator okay. or something like that. He's still at Nebraska to this day. I think that he's been there probably 30-plus years would be my guess. Um, but now he's the senior associate AD of student-athlete development or life skills or something okay. like that. that right. he's, a, he's a peer of mine at this point. Um, and so he and Dennis LeBlanc, Dennis was over the academic side and Keith was over life skills. The two of them had a program there that really helped us evolve as people. And I, I didn't recognize it at the time, got involved in a number of different things while I was there, but they were the two people that were pushing the needle for us as student athletes at, at Nebraska. And, and in a lot of ways have helped shape my appreciation for the work that, that our, our folks do here and, and what I'm able to to do in support of them and the work that they do for our students. And I can remember from our trips to Nebraska when they were part of the Big 12, I miss those trips, uh, I miss going there. Yeah, yeah. But I can remember a, a, uh, a huge emphasis there in their athletic department on academics, on academic All-Americans. And this is for somebody coming in as an outsider, but it was on the walls, you know, it was on the pillars, yeah. you know, celebrating academic All-Americans at Nebraska. That was really a, a part of their culture, wasn't it? Yes, that that was a part of what they talked to us about when, when um, they would recruit us. They would talk about we're going to compete for championships and we are going to um, – we're going to perform well in the classroom. And if you come here and commit to both, that will make sure that, that you get, you know, not they're going to do it for you, but we're going to make sure you have all the resources necessary to help you achieve whatever goals you set forth. And I remember walking in and seeing the portraits of the academic All-Americans on the wall and thinking, and maybe even saying to my parents, like, one day I'm going to be, I'm going to be there. Um, I didn't get that, but on the pillars, they do have the academic all big 12 and my name is up there a couple of times. And that's a great honor. When I go back, my, my kids right now are four and two, but one day we're going to go back and I'm going to show dad, dad's name on the wall. And they're going to ask me what that's about. And they're going to know that I, I, I ran track, but they, they may not know that I also tried to pay close attention to my academics. And they think about the message that will send to them that you can do both. You will do both. He could do both at a, at a really high level, and, and you don't have to choose one or the other. And so that that commitment that they had, I, I'll misquote it, but I know at one point they might still have it, but they lead, led or still lead the country in academic All-Americans or something like that, and they, they do a really good job there. Um, the one thing that I, I think that they, at the time, what was something they really wanted to work on was graduation rates and, and what, that would, what that looked like for all of their students, not just a subset. And so that was something that, that was, um, that was emphasized to us and tried to try to figure out what we could do to, to change that back then. And I think that that process has helped shape my experiences right now as well. The Black is back. It's the Black Friday sales event at Allen Samuels. Get special holiday deals on the truck of your dreams, like a brand new Ram Lone Star Crew Cab with special factory discounts and financing. Or grab hold of the Swiss Army Knife of SUVs, Jeep Gladiator, and head for holiday adventure. The Black is back. The Black Friday sales event from Allen Samuels, your friend in the car business. Whether on the field or cheering from home, Du Bois Furniture is proud to support the Baylor Bears. If your bear cave needs updating, Du Bois Furniture is here to help. With over 59 years of our family serving yours, let our experienced sales team help you find exactly what you want. We specialize in custom upholstery, stunning dining rooms, elegant bedrooms, gorgeous leather, and top quality mattresses. Come see us in Waco and Temple or visit us online at DuBoisFurniture.com. Du Bois Furniture, where beautiful homes happen. Now, back to the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat. You were a part of um, several organizations you mentioned earlier, being uh, at Nebraska as a student athlete. Um, what would you say uh, kind of sparked you to do that, and why did you feel 
the need to lead those areas. Yeah, I think one of the things my, my parents instilled in me earlier was that I was always going to be more than an athlete. Again, I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. They always talked to me about not being um, one-dimensional with, with your contributions to the world. And so I, I thought about being involved in a number of things. I was involved in some, some student organizations on campus. I was involved in student-athlete advisory committee within our uh, athletic department at Nebraska. But one of the things that we really wanted to focus on was helping our women and um, student-athletes of color reach the ultimate academic accomplishment in the college setting, which is graduation. And our numbers at the time weren't very high. And so there were a couple of um, academic advisors who had gotten with us and told us the numbers. And and there were like four or five of us student athletes who said, we have to do something about it. And we actually started an organization there called Your Degree First. I think the organization still exists in some capacity. It's not by that name anymore. But at that time, it was called Your Degree First. And the emphasis was... The focus was for us to make sure that women and people of color knew and understood that graduation was not just the, an option. It was the expectation and that we wanted to make it cool. We wanted to make it um, the norm that that's what be that would be what we aspire to uh, to accomplish. And so we did programs um, t- that talked about like interests th- that we had beyond our sport, talked about different majors that we that we were interested in. We had some career development speakers come in, just trying to do any and everything we could to focus on retention and graduation for our women and people of color. And, and um, it's really one of my proudest contributions um, to, to life. I think I, I not, I think I know that I, there are people who find me on Facebook and they'll, they'll bring up our fashion show that we used to do mm-hmm. back then, <laughs> or like just other initiatives that we would do as an organization to make it fun for people to be at college that maybe didn't come from a background where they had other people who, you know, maybe they're a first generation. Uh, maybe they were far from home and just didn't, couldn't find community or you know, whatever the case may be. We tried to provide that for them. And, you know, I haven't gone back to look at the graduation rates to see if they changed after that. But I, I do know that people stayed longer. They stopped leaving after sophomore year. They, they, they sought to junior, senior year. And uh, hopefully they graduated along the way. But as a student athlete, I, I I don't know that. I just know we try to provide opportunities for people. The injury that you suffered that that eventually ended your competitive career at the University of Nebraska. Uh, how much, how tough was that for you to go through? And then how coming through that did that sort of shape your direction beyond that? It was tough. I, again, I I don't want to sound um, cocky or anything, but I was pretty good. I was a pretty good athlete and. In high school, I was. That's recruit. okay. We can brag on you. We, you had like five championships, uh, so yeah, we can we can acknowledge all no. of those. <laughs> we'll I, brag for you. <laughs> He's very good. I I was all right, and we we um, we won a state championship in track in high school. We went to the playoffs in football. I was recruited for football and track, like uh, at the D one level. It, it was just I had very high expectations. I I wanted part of the reason why I went to Nebraska is they talked about there they win team championships. And one of their recruiting pieces against Baylor was like, they win the 4x4, four four, but we win the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I wanted to go and I, I wanted to be a part of winning championships. But I also, I wanted to be the best. That, that doesn't, that hasn't changed. My desire to to do my absolute best was what I wanted then. And having those injuries just, I, I don't know, I'd had some small injuries, but none that kept me off the track. I'd fought through, I had a quad and a, a hamstring on one leg one year and still made it, made it to, to state. Like I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I felt invincible really. And that injury, um, having four stress fractures in your lower back, they gave me two options. They said I could either stay out of sport for an entire year and wear this brace, no athletic activity at all for a year, or you could have surgery and the surgery, there was like a 20% chance based off of where the, the, um, the cracks were in my lower back that I could potentially be paralyzed because there were nerves around that area or something that there was no machine at the time. It was by hand. And I just thought that that 20% chance was too much. Like I want to run around with my kids mm-hmm. and all of that. And so I, I opted for neither and tried to just fight through it. Cause I'm thinking I'm invincible and I can do it. And it, it sent me down a dark, dark place of, of just depression. And um, there are people that I used to beat, 
that were running next to me or beating me. And I just, I struggled. I hit it. I hit it um, for most people and just tried to continue to push through. But I remember vividly going back into my room and, and crying out of frustration, not knowing. Like I, I never ran as fast in college as I did in high school. There were just things like that that I felt like a failure. I didn't want to, you know, people, there are a lot of people who said that I shouldn't have gone to Nebraska in the first place and that I'm going to get out, out there in the middle of nowhere and not have community. I'm going to end up back in Texas. Like all these things that, I, that I'd heard over the years. When I first got injured, I started replaying those things and feeling like, man, that it, I am going to be a failure and I'm not going to make it out here. And all of these things that start to eat at me. And um, fortunately, th- there were people in my life there that just continued to speak life, continued to, to say that there's more in you. Keith Zimmer was one of those people who just said there's more to you, Marcus, than just your athletic ability. If you can harness the leadership skills that you use in your sport and these organizations and all that for a greater good, now who knows what you're going to accomplish in life. And it just, it, because he saw that it made me believe that maybe I could see it too. And I think that that's helped. It helps me in my job now. Um, when there may, there may be times that look like they're tough, daunting. I know that I can push through, but then also it helps me be able to share that story with, with other students that go through injury, that that have to sit out because of COVID, um, that that have to encounter family struggles, I can tell them from experience, like you can make it through some of these tough times. And there's people around you to support you. And I didn't take advantage of it. But once I did, it took me to the next level. Like I think all those things have helped shape my life. And I, whether people know it or not, it's helping shape the lives of, of others. If you need a trailer, Flat Rock Trailers has got you covered. From light-duty single-axle utility trailers to the big text tandem duels. We also carry a full line of enclosed cargo trailers. Need a motorcycle trailer? We've got them. Need a dump trailer? We've got the largest selection in the state. Oil field trailers? We carry a full line of big text trailers to handle all your needs. Trailer repairs? We repair all makes and models. We'll even rent you a trailer if you need to use one for a day. Flat Rock Trailers, your number one source for all your trailer needs. Find us at flatrocktrailers.com. Say my wife and I have a lot to clean is an understatement. So we go to TNG Chemical, where the pros know what cleaning solutions to use and give us detailed instructions on exactly how to use them. We never got that kind of advice from any other stores. And the prices at TNG are great, from general household cleaners to odor control solutions for our pets. We go to TNG Chemical and Supply. That's why. TNG Chemical and Supply. That's why. You're listening to the Sikkim Podcast. We're visiting today with Marcus Sedberry, Senior Associate AD for Student Athlete Success. Marcus, you just walked us through your time at Nebraska, what all those people meant to you, how much the people who do the very job that you're doing right now um, inspired you to kind of walk this path, help you past injuries. Um, and it sounds like, John, that he was doing this job already as a student athlete. <laughs> he just like didn't it. know it. Um, you know, that's that's very neat. That's a neat story to hear. And you're a walking example uh, for all of our student athletes here at Baylor now um, of the, you know, the success of the paying attention to the things off the field as much as uh, they should on the field. But I want to, before we jump into what you do specifically here at Baylor, I do want to kind of track your path here how'd you get here um you had a couple of different stops at UCF and um Arkansas and then even the Philadelphia Eagles Mm -hmm. so I'd like to hear a little bit about that journey and how you uh, eventually found your way back to Texas wearing the green and gold (laughs) yes so at UCF so I went to, to grad school at UCF I ended up getting my MBA there and a sport business management master's there as well and um as I finished that that program, I was the, I was a GA for what's now known as the Institute for Sport and Social Justice. Uh, I used to do some diversity trainings and some um, gender violence um, trainings for them. And I also had a chance to be the GA for our athletic director. Once I finished there, I thought that because the path to be an AD, most people say, is through uh, the external side of the house. And because my background was business and I understood my mind was business uh, I, I went down that road for a little bit. I explored a uh, number of external jobs 
and actually had some opportunities. And I just, as weird as it sounds, it just didn't feel it in my heart. Like I, I knew I could do the job. Clearly other people thought I could do the job really well, but I just felt like I should follow my heart and my passion for, for um, pushing and pulling people to be the best that they can be and, and focusing on, on young people. And we actually had a, our athletic director there, um, Keith Tribble, dear friend, mentor to this day. He, when I was his GA, he had me bounce around to all the different departments to learn the business. Anytime anyone would leave a department, I would plug in. And at the time, UCF had just come into Conference USA. They were just on the rise. I, I like to think we were at the beginning of the UCF that people know today. Um, but it was a revolving door. People were always leaving. They were, they were getting poached to go to Power 5 or other schools. And um, so it, it taught me the business that way. I, I literally worked in almost every department. I called I called games and marketing. I wrote stories and, and communications. I um, didn't do a whole lot in compliance. <laughs> in compliance, but I at least uh, helped make copies of the manuals back then and some other things that helped <laughs> me understand what they were going through. I, I literally spent time in every, almost every department there. And when I got done, he asked me what our department was missing. And um, I was like, you know, I, I think we have everything there. We had, uh, we had a part-time community community service coordinator we had academic advisors but we didn't have like a life skills department or anything and so I told him that and I, he he said okay well can you start it and as a young overconfident whippersnapper that I was I was like yeah of course I can I can do that I can start it from, <laughs> I can start it from scratch he's like all right cool that's going to be your job you're going to be our life skills coordinator and just like that that's how I started in, I started in the industry and I was at 23, 24 years old, was charged with trying to create a student services operation at UCF from from the ground up, and so we started doing leadership and and um, and career services, and we we continued with the community engagement pieces. We started doing all these different things that either I felt like I I missed or needed, or that I knew my teammates didn't have, or or people from other sports at Nebraska that I knew that they didn't have. Uh, and some of the things that they did in Nebraska and created this student services department at UCF and did that for four or five years. Great opportunity to to build things. And that really has become who I am and what I do. I think there's builders and maintainers in this world. I think we need both of them. I think I'm more wired to build. And everywhere I've been, I've been a part of building something. So I left there. Arkansas had a program, like a life skills student development program set there. They wanted to go to the next level. They knew kind of some of the work we had done at UCF because at that point we we had grown quite a bit. They asked me to come and help them build their program there. While I was there, Chip Kelly was at the Philadelphia Eagles. He'd just taken a job at the Philadelphia Eagles, and he uh, just saw some holes in the NFL model in terms of how they treat players, how they coach players, how they teach, like just all of those things. And they had reached out to me in a consultant-type way to ask how would we do if we were to do this different how would we how would we build this thing how could we uh better prepare our our players for life after how could we look at how we coach them yeah you may be coaching for 25 30 years but and you're an expert at football but that doesn't mean you get this 25 year old and, and understand their mind and how they learn and all that kind of stuff can you help us with those things so I went through that process with them and then they asked me if I'd come do the job and I said no or in my mind I was thinking no initially because I wanted to be a college AD mm -hmm. that doesn't help me get there and I really had to come back to this thought of like I've been put on this earth to push and pull people to be the best that they can be and if that's why I think God has put me here I can do that anywhere mm -hmm. and I gotta let that drive me as opposed to Really, what 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 had become this idea of being an AD had become an idol for me, and I needed to step away from it being this idol that controlled my life and just follow the passion that that God had given me. Um, and so I, I went to the Eagles. We had great success there. Ended up um, ended up getting let go there as a part of the coaching transition, which is a whole other story in itself. Mm -hmm. um, ended up getting let go. At that point, my wife was five months pregnant. We we're trying to figure out what we we're going to do. And um, there actually was an opportunity to go with Mac to Missouri. He was there. They had just come off of some of the, the 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 bad things that were going on there from a race relations standpoint. He and I connected. It was this idea of building something there. 
wife and I just didn't feel like that was the best thing for us at the time. At that point, she's eight months pregnant. We decided we're going to go back to Arkansas because they had provided an opportunity for me there. I'm so thankful for that. We, we went back to Arkansas for a year. And then about that time, Matt got the Baylor job. And same, this theme of building things came up. And he's like, hey, you know, I think we have a great opportunity. I think this fits you, your mission, your vision, your heart, your passion, um, the Christian mission. Like all these things, I think it's a perfect fit for you. Will you give us a look at Baylor? And uh, I looked, fell in love, and now I'm, I'm proud to represent the Baylor family, wear the, the green and gold every day. Max said, let's try this one more time. <laughs> <laughs> don't I'm come knocking. Yeah, <laughs> don't bring it up to him because it's a sore subject. He always talks about I'm, I'm There's like two people he always talks about that, that turned him down. Uh, and I'm, I'm one of them. That's one of my, that's one of my claims. <laughs> yeah. That's good. But you're here now. But that's I'm here now. Matters. I'm here now. That's this is where matters. I was meant to be, clearly. Because if I had been in Missouri and he'd left, that wouldn't have gone well. And uh, I probably would have be, be there still. My wife probably wouldn't have wanted to move after eight months or so so it, it all got out of plan it all worked out for the good and i'm Absolutely. excited to be here now the block is back it's the black friday sales event at alan samuels get special holiday deals on the truck of your dreams like a brand new ram lone star crew cab with special factory discounts and financing or grab hold of the swiss army knife of suvs jeep gladiator and head for holiday adventure the black is back the black friday sales event from alan samuels your friend in the car business I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa wraps on there, the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. Well, here, and we're glad you're here, and yes. a huge part of our success at uh, at Baylor and Baylor Athletics, the Student Athlete Success Center is a, a tremendous model. Uh, you came in with a, a an idea and a plan in place, right, as you came to Baylor. Uh, how much work did you have to do starting out to get things in place to have the success that we now see? How much building? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know – I, I have to acknowledge that when I came here, um, so we, we had an academic operation that was strong. We didn't have as much of the student development side of things. We had a couple pieces, but in terms of what we know now is like Baylor built and all that, that didn't really exist. We didn't have, we had one staff person. We were doing a few programs here and there, but the 48-hour um, classification-specific programming and curriculum that we have, that didn't exist that's all a part of the, the effort that we put in once we got here, you know, strategic initiative process. All of that was, you know, that was a, a very fun, it was a fun ride. And a lot of great people spoke into that. The academic side of the house was good. We, we've been having success here for years. And I think what, what I brought to the table was this idea of personal best. You know, I think Mac and I see eye to eye on that. And for me, as a track student athlete, I would train year round hours after hours to try to get a hundredth of a second faster, like a hundredth of a second. That was what I poured my heart into. And if I did that, that was special. And to me, that's the same thing we've, we've, we've tried to build a model around here in our academic side, really across the board, but especially in our academic side is this idea of, of pushing to achieve your personal best. And so we've had people who were here, DD, um, Brown Campbell, uh, Aaron Tebow, Paige Rohde, uh, Paige Rohde um, Sarah Roberts, who's still on our staff. Now, we had a number of people who were already here doing great work. All we did is come in and kind of change up the, the framework by which we worked. It's the, the concept that if you are a 3.8 student, give us 3.8. Don't settle at 3.6. If you're 2.2, give us 2.2. Don't settle at 2.0. 
because we feel like those are life skills that if you can apply that to all aspects of your life, it will help you live a more fruitful life. And so we want them, we want our students to push to be their personal best in all that they do. And you don't get to pick where you do that. You do that in the weight room with lifting. You, you do that on the field of, of competition. You do that in so many other places. Academics is the area where most people kind of try to take it off. And we've tried to instill in them that you don't get to do that as a husband, as a, as a, as a wife, as a mother, as a father. Like you don't get to pick and choose when you want to give your best for your children or for your spouse or any of that kind of stuff you know, or your job. And so we, we wanted to instill that mindset with our, our coaches, our, our coaches already have it, but with our student athletes. And um, I think we've been able to do that. People have been able to, to buy into that starting with our coaches. Again, they preach that all the time in their world it's just this thought from an academic side let's do the same thing and i think we've seen some some success over the over the years that we've been here with gpa and gsr and you know apr a number of different things across the board well this year we set a school record with a score <laughs> of 94 leading the big 12 and the state of texas and 10th nationally among power five when you told us when you walked into Nebraska and they said, you know, we win championship team championships and we, you know, put an emphasis on school that's kind of carried with you. So to see these numbers here at Baylor, your team winning team championships, (laughs) you know, in the classroom, that has got to be a good feeling to know that everything that you guys are pouring into these student athletes is paying off. Yeah, I have a I have a, a team of people that I get to work with every day that they pour their heart and soul into the academic performance of our students. And, you know, some of these some of the numbers are reflective of what was what was done before I ever got here. Like that, that there are people who are pouring into to the academic performance of our students before Marcus showed up. This is not new. We we've we've had you know, we've led the Big Twelve in the GSR for seven straight year, eleventh over overall. I could We've been doing a really good job at this, and I, I'm thankful to be able to walk into a place like that, that that cares about the academic championships just as much as they do the athletic championships. But the the people that are behind the scenes every day making sure that, you know, this, this last year we had 96 graduates in 2019-2020 year. That means that our learning specialists, like the, the, our, they're meeting one-on-one with students who may not be as prepared for college, but they're asked to come in and perform at the level of every other student. Maybe they're, you know, fifth or sixth grade reading level, right? Just because of they're under underprepared because of the schools they went to before. Like they're still expected to get a Baylor degree, just like everybody else. Well, we have a team of people who commit, commit to that. And we have a tutoring program that has over 7,000 tutoring appointments a semester to support our students. Um, in their academic pursuits. If we want to be the, if you want them to give their best, we have to put the resources behind them. And I'm I'm thankful that Baylor has given us the opportunity to do that. And then we have our academic coaches who are, we you know changed their title to academic coaches because we wanted them to have the same mindset of a strength coach and as an athletic coach. There's there's not one thing that goes on in the weight room that our strength coach doesn't know about. There isn't one thing on the court that our athletic coaches don't know about. So we wanted our academic coaches to have that same mindset, be dialed into every detail to every student athlete, not just the, the ones who are performing lower uh, on the totem pole. I want to make sure that they are eligible and all that kind of stuff. We want you to pay attention to the three, eight, just as much as you pay attention to the two, two, because we want both of them to achieve their personal best. And if you can do that, if you do that and you trust that process, the numbers will start to speak for them for themselves. And I think that's part of the, the culture that we've, that we've built here and, and folks have really bought into that. Well, and it's across the board, too. Uh, six of Baylor's programs had a perfect 100 score this year. Let's give them let's give them a shout-out to Absolutely. baseball, first time ever. How about men's golf? Ninth straight year they've received a GSR of 100. Eighth straight year for women's golf. Eighth straight for women's tennis. Fourth straight for women's soccer. Second straight for volleyball. So uh, those uh, are at the top of the list with 100 perfect uh, GSR scores yeah. of 100. That's a tremendous accomplishment. Absolutely. I mean, they, they've they've built that culture that we're going to graduate at a high level. You're going to come here. You're, you look at those teams. Those are teams that have been competing for championships on the field across the board year after year. 
And but they've also said you're going to cross the stage too. You're going to that's this a, it's become an expectation that it's going to happen, and it's not um, by happenstance that, that that happens. And how about football? Their score uh, ninety one this year. That is the best of any football program in the Big Twelve Conference. Football kind of gets the lion's share of attention, you know. Certainly yeah. here in the fall, mm-hmm. you know, of a lot of sports. But uh, boy, how great is it to get the attention there with the highest GSR rate in the Big Twelve? Yes. Again, it just speaks to the culture that we have here, and and that we're gonna we're gonna compete for championships. If you if they're if we're keeping score. <laughs> We expect for us to be at the top of it. And our football program led the Big 12. Our track program led the Big 12, um, in addition to the other sports that you mentioned, that had the perfect 100%. Uh, I, I think that it just speaks to the culture as a whole, that when we talk about um, academic achievement being one of our pillars of our athletic department, it's not just lip service. It's what we really believe in. Well, and I think it's important that we also don't forget the year that we've had mm-hmm. and the fact that we're getting all of these numbers and they, you know, program bests left and right. The first time for baseball, 100 percent. And and this was a year where everything kind of not fell apart, but sort of fell apart and had to be completely switched around and handled differently with uh, classes, you know, going online and everything like that in the spring and everyone having to zoom and manage all of those other things. Um, so, you know, how proud are you that despite all of that and what COVID has forced upon us, that you guys have been able to, you know, power through and make the most of it? Yeah, I think, I think that that speaks to our student athletes and the resiliency that they have. It, it, there's a reason why you see them on the, on whatever field of competition is fight to the end and deal with adversity um, and, and still, achieve great things like that's it's the same it's the same mindset that it requires to do that in in the classroom so yes this year this past year was a tough one but we saw across the board our numbers were up our personal best numbers were up normally we're around uh 30 percent meaning like one in every three of our student athletes had their best gpa of the um of their career this last year we had 55 percent. so that's saying one out of every two had their best academic semester this past year in the midst of all the, the craziness. Like that, to me, just is, is mind-blowing. Or to think that we had 195 of our student-athletes as Big 12 all-academic um, team and, and had our, our best GPA ever, a 3.42 um, cumulative GPA for the 2019-2020 the school year. The, that means that they are rising to the challenge. No matter what, whatever you throw before them, they realize that they can they can overcome. And I, I think that that's going to continue to to play out in the athletic side of things. But I think it'll also play out to the people that they become in, in our world. And um, we're proud to be a part of a part of that. I do want to ask you, um, give you kind of a chance to kind of brag on your team mm-hmm. um, because, you know, just like the student athletes, that was a big adjustment for them. Coaches, we've spoken with plenty on this podcast, you know, and how they had to adjust and, you know, for football example, you know, they were installing offenses over yeah. Zoom. <laughs> um, but it's it's not easy to have to have tutoring sessions when they're already in online classes and then to have to, you know, help them once again, virtually and to make all those transitions and take all those 7,000 tutoring sessions that I'm sure were in person before and, Mm -hmm. and handle all that. And, you know, and then our student athletes, they did, they went home and they went all over the country and you guys were still able to manage that. So from your perspective, you know, as a, we'll call you the, you know, the CEO of your little (laughs) world over there, um, you know, leading, your academic coaches through all of that, how proud are you and how they handled that and to where, you know, these numbers, they speak volumes. Yeah. I I have to first acknowledge our coaches, right? Because we can't do, we can't do what we're trying to do without the support of our coaches. Every one of them have been, um, have been extremely supportive of the academic side of the house. And, I've been some places where not all the coaches are supportive in that way. And that makes everyone's job really tough. So without them, I don't know that we see some of this, this success. And of course, without the student athletes actually doing the work, I, I, we're not, we absolutely are not seeing some of this, but I, I 
do acknowledge that the people on our academic services team that are that are part of our student athlete center for excellence like they've their world was rocked we mentioned the the tutoring appointments before we had no online options for tutoring because we wanted face-to-face we want to make sure that we're mindful of academic misconduct and all these protocols that we put in place to make sure that we do things at at, at the at a level of excellence um that had to shift literally overnight mm-hmm. i mean we were it's march it's spring break and we announced that we're not coming back well people have assignments due people have papers that were due and all these things that need to be done when they get back from spring break, we had to figure out a new way of doing tutoring overnight without, um, without, without making way for there to be some academic integrity issues now. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have to set up the tutoring appointments, but now you also have to figure out a a monitoring protocol for that as well for these 7,000 a semester um, appointments that you have. And, get the students comfortable with now meeting with people online. Well, and these aren't professional tutors. These are other students that we have to get them comfortable with tutoring online, Mm -hmm. but they're not used to doing that either. So our whole team had to rally around that and get those set up. We had our learning specialists who are meeting sometimes three or four times a week, maybe sometimes five times a week with students one-on-one and they're normally helping them understand the, the, maybe it's the English language. Maybe it's helping them understand nuances of of courses that again they might just be underprepared for or have some type of documented uh, learning disability uh, or documented learning challenge they had to figure out how to do that over screen you know and that's for some people that might not seem like a big difference but it's hard when you're trying to help somebody understand college level work but they have middle school level academic um, background over zoom it's like there's things you're trying to explain that you just can't really do so our learning specialist team led by lauren kirby um they were rock stars with with making accommodations and helping our students transition and then just with our academic coaches now having to manage all that it's not as simple as just having people come and wait in your office and you you um help them with their schedule or help them with scheduling the tutoring appointments or help them with navigating some of the, the conversations with the professors and things of that nature. Our academic coaches are now having to coordinate all these pieces. They can't holler down the hall. Hey, can somebody help me with this? It's, it's a, it was a full on overhaul of our operation. And I, I knew they were special because I see it every day, but to see how they too responded in a moment of adversity, knowing that everybody was looking for, them. they shut down sports and we were the only ones still going. We were the ones in our mind, we were the ones who are going to try to hold this this world together for our student athletes. We were going to be the counselors. We were going to be the, the shoulders to cry on. We were going to be all of those things for our student athletes and still hold them accountable to be their absolute best in the classroom. And I think our, our academic coaches with, with Dee Dee Campbell and Chris Johnson, um, they, they led an unbelievable effort over the, the spring, the summer, and the fall, knowing that, this is this is our new world, and um, they're already looking at what that might look like for this upcoming spring, the upcoming summer, and fall, because they know that our world may not go back to a normal. And what does normal look like, and what are new things we learn from this that we can apply to just make us that much better in serving our students? So I'm proud to be a part of that team. They they make all of us look really good every day, and oftentimes we never know who these people are. But to me, they're they're super they're superheroes behind the scenes. Well, I'd say y'all did a wonderful job, if the numbers don't already say it, in <laughs> keeping it together. And, uh, you know, this is as much of a Big 12 championship as all the others that needs to be celebrated. So congratulations to you guys on you. knocking it out of the park. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations on finding a way through this COVID season. And uh, and the congratulations goes to you. It goes to your team. But also, like you said, to our administrators yeah. who put so much emphasis on academic success. Absolutely. And to our coaches who who uh, foster, you know, that uh, that culture among their programs. So there's a lot of people, yeah. would you agree, that, that really uh, are a part of this success? Yes, we can't do it. I mean, those, those tutoring appointments, they're paid. We have to pay somebody for that, you know, those aren't just free you know so we one our our cody hall and our, our cfo like he has to be willing to commit the resources to this our donors have to be willing to give to some to this effort and this is what we've been talking about required an uptick 
from four years ago. And there, there needed to be an additional commitment to it for us to do it at this level. So they play a role in this. Mac has to see value in this uh, for us to have the, the personnel, the resources, et cetera, to, to do it. Our coaches have to understand that when we ask for them to cut practice a little bit because a student needs to go to a supplemental instruction meeting, that we need that, or maybe a student needs to miss practice today to go meet with the professor. They have to be willing to accommodate those things. And so it's not our team has done a great job, but it's this, this is a, a big 12 championship for everybody to take great pride in because everybody has played a role in it. And I know that they'll continue to do it moving forward. Well, and the athletes as well. This That's is something it. to be I neglected to mention that. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, they're the, the big highlight. They're the ones yeah. doing the work, and they are truly living. And that's something that's so neat, you know, when I stepped in here is they are truly examples of student athletes. Yes. Well-balanced, truly preparing champions for life in all aspects, um, not just, you know, the student and the athlete part. But, that's right. you know, you, are, you play a wide role in – character formation, sports ministry, all the other things that people don't think about, all those other jobs like you mentioned on the football field that mm -hmm. people are uh, neglecting to realize play a huge part in creating the ultimate college experience for these student-athletes. So, yeah, yeah well, shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But as you mentioned, our student-athletes could just resist too. Mm -hmm. They could say, "I don't. that's extra effort. I don't want to do that. I can just skate. I can just skate by I'll be fine, even though I'm a three eight student. I'll be fine with a three five. That's still good. I can get in grad school and do whatever else I want to do. They have to commit to it, and and we could all we could have the best laid plans. And if they don't, then then so what? You know, I could have a vision for whatever you know what we could do here. But if our student athletes don't say, "Hey, I see the vision," I may not want to do it right now, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know it'll make me better. Uh, I'll push through these tough times, even though it stinks right now. Um, if they don't do those things, then then uh, it's off. It's off or not. And so I'm thankful for them. Thankful for all the support, and I'm thankful for the for the 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 uh, the credit or the uh, pat on the back that you all offer. But, <laughs> but know that I'm only one small piece of a, of a big puzzle of folks who are committed to preparing champions for life. Well, congratulations to you and everyone and uh, living out our mission, uh, quite literally, of preparing champions for life. So well done. Great to Thank visit you. with you. And, again, congratulations on the uh, success in the Student Athlete Success Center. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And um, thank you for the great work that you all are doing and telling the story of Baylor Athletics. It's a great story to tell. Thank you. Yeah, y'all make it easy for us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks to Marcus Sedbury, our Senior Associate AD, for Student Athlete Success. For Brooke Bednars, I'm John Morris. Thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you next week with another edition of the Sikkim Podcast. You've been listening to the Sikkim Podcast. Presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco. Online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast has been a production of Baylor Athletics.